I am afraid that I have much news, and most of it is terrible. Welcome to The Mind Killer, the rationalist brain on politics. As always, I'm Wesley Fenza. I'm Ineash Brodsky. And I'm David. This is episode number 99. We're recording on January 2nd, 2024. That is a Tuesday again, for those of you paying attention, uh, again because of the holiday. We're going to start with some feedback from the last episode. Uh, on Discord, Ask Who uh, told us that Android phones actually do allow other app stores. So all that thing that we were complaining about and saying that they should do, they already do. Whoops. Yeah. So then the antitrust charges make no sense. That's a good point. Yeah. Because that was our whole thing. They were like, well, I guess it's a monopoly because they don't allow other app stores. But if they do allow other app stores, then uh, it seems fine. I assume they're um, going off the antitrust case against Microsoft where the mere fact of bundling your product with your hardware with a piece of software owned by your company somehow implies monopoly power. But didn't they lose that case? Uh, I didn't think they did, but uh, now I'm questioning myself. Isn't it also the case that the um, the Fortnite people still had to give a cut of their sales in-app to Google? Yes, because it was sold through the Play Store. No, it was sold through their app. But the app was sold through the Play Store. So anything sold through an app that was once on the Play Store forever gives Google a 30% cut? It's not an app that was once on the Play Store. It's if people buy it through the Play Store, then any subsequent uh, in-app purchases they make, Google also gets a cut of that. That sounds like horseshit. Well, that's what Fortnite said. And, that's why <laughs> and they were right. <laughs> okay. All right. Next follow-up. Claudine Gay, the president of Harvard, has now resigned. Um, this was one of the three Ivy League uh, uh, presidents who went and decide- told Congress that uh, maybe just, uh, advocating the genocide of Jews is okay. Um, this was the one that did all the plagiarism. Uh, the... Um, University of Pennsylvania president is the one who resigned like right after that. Um, now Claudine Gay has resigned, probably because of the plagiarism, not because of the Jew stuff. <laughs> um, and the MIT president still hanging on. But they wouldn't have been looking for all the plagiarism if it wasn't for the Jew stuff, right? I don't know. I think, David, y- you're the one who was talking about the plagiarism before. Did that come out before or after this hearing? The impression I got was that, like, three people had noticed or cared before the hearing, and the hearing was the signal booster. All right, so it was, uh, it was knives out. I was not one of those three people, so, well, I don't know, I might be wrong. There you go. All right, so she's out. Uh, all right, next follow-up is that Trump has been kicked off the main ballot. If you'll remember last episode, uh, we talked about a uh, Colorado Supreme Court case that kicked Trump off the Colorado ballot for insurrection. Um, this time, there was no court case. It was just the Secretary of State of Maine said, uh, well, um, he can't be on the ballot because he did an insurrection. Seems fair. <laughs> I mean... I feel like I'd rather have a court do it, but I'm sure there's going to be a court case where the court's ultimately going to decide. So, sure, why not? And at least this way, there's no standing issues. Uh, Because my least favorite thing about the Supreme Court is they like to dismiss cases based on standing. And they definitely have an opportunity to do that in the Colorado case. Because it's just a bunch of voters who sued. And the Supreme Court 
could totally just be like, well, they don't have standing to sue here, so get out of here. Huh. In the main case, um, the Trump's off the ballot, so he's going to have to sue. So it's going to be Trump versus the Secretary of State or the, the state itself, um, and there will be no, no standing issues there. Wouldn't, but voters have a compelling interest in having him on the ballot, don't they? Well, like, they actually how could the Supreme Court possibly... The how could the Supreme Court possibly say they don't have standing? Because they don't have... Oh, a they don't have standing to get him off. Yeah. Ah, uh, okay. They don't Sorry. have a particularized injury. Yeah, yeah. I miss. I understood the whole thing backwards. Well, I don't even... I mean, there would still be standing issues the other way, because they're just, you know, a member of a class, and it's not a class action. Um, for standing, you, you have to have a particularized injury, so you have to be, you know, hurt in particular, not just yeah. as a citizen or a taxpayer or whatever. Hmm. All right. Well, uh, definitely got standing now. Yeah. So we'll see what happens with that. So far, I haven't heard anything about a court case getting filed, but I'm sure there is one or there will be one soon. Cool. Uh, speaking of court cases, let's move on to new news where we have a court case from our old friends, the New York Times, suing our hey. new friends, OpenAI. Yeah. Fuck the New York Times. All right. What's what are they suing about? Uh, they are saying that OpenAI used a lot of New York Times proprietary information to train their AIs, and they are, therefore they should pay them a lot of money. Hmm. Seems dubious. I certainly think so, um, because, first of all, it's kind of trained on the entire internet, and there is this, uh, this category called the, um... Damn it, now I gotta look it up because I don't remember it off the top of my head. Hold Wikipedia. On no, well, yes, Wikipedia. Uh, the Common Crawl is the category uh, that OpenAI created that used uh, Wikipedia as a major source and uh, Google Patents database and then a whole bunch of news sources like New York Times, LA Times, The Guardian, Forbes, NPR. Anyways, they, they pulled this information as being more reliable than the internet at large and therefore weighted it more highly than the rest of the internet in the training data. Well, that was their first mistake, including the New York Times and the reliable set. Uh, seriously, did you guys, you almost deserve this lawsuit just for that. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's kind of bullshit because some of the analysis are saying, oh yeah, New York Times, they got a great claim on this because they are the at the top of the proprietary data sets. First of all, they're not at the top uh, of in the common crawl because, like I said, Google Pants and Wikipedia are above it. So it makes it sound like, oh, but they're the top of the proprietary data, as if that is special in some way. And uh, importantly, they're not that much more than like the LA Times and the Guardian. Like in terms of the, there, there's almost two dozen um, sources here in the common crawl. They are a small fraction of the total part of the common crawl uh, data set. And again, the common crawl isn't even everything it was trained on. So the fact that the NYT thinks they're special enough that OpenAI owns them a lot of money and this makes their case stronger, I think is kind of horseshit. Fuck you, New York Times. Well, I think New York Times um, will lose this case, but not for the reasons you think. I don't think it's going to lose, actually. I'm scared it's going to win because people suck and the New York Times sucks. <laughs> well, I'm scared they're going to win for those reasons, too. But I think they should lose um, because... There's two things at issue here. One is the mm. training data, mm -hmm. where they fed you know a bunch of New York Times articles into the training data and used that to train the, the AI, which I think is totally fair use. It's allowed to yes. read the New York Times. Um, I don't 
you know, I wouldn't just suggest like anyone are. read the New York Times, but if <laughs> ChatGPT wants to, I think it's allowed to do that. The other Lot, problem, lots and of I, things are legal but inadvisable. <laughs> Reading the New York Times is one of them. <laughs> um, so, the, the other thing that I think is uh, a much more plausible claim is that sometimes ChatGPT will just quote the New York Times without attribution. Like you'll ask it, tell me about this thing that happened, and it'll like give you word for word a New York Times article. Yeah, they have 100 such cases where they have side-by-side output from GPT-4 and text from the New York Times, and they have all the direct direct copies, plagiarizations, one might say, in red, uh, which I don't buy, really, because they don't give you the prompt. Yeah, neither does Claudine Gay. Yeah, I don't think this is going to replicate, and I want to know how many times they had to rerun and how much they had to fine-tune the prompt to actually get something that close. Because GPT-3, like, you ask it something, or any of the GPTs, rather, you ask it something a dozen times, you'll get a dozen different answers, which are usually roughly similar, but it's highly unlikely to give you a direct, um, direct copy of anything it read, because it doesn't know the things it read directly, it just has thoughts. Yeah, that's uh, that's one part of it. But the part that I find more convincing is that what I heard about these um, these quotes the ChatGPT is giving, it's not giving them because it read it from the New York Times. It's giving those quotes because it saw them over and over in its data set from the New York Times and from other sources. So the things that it's quoting are things that have been quoted all over the internet, and that's why it's the the token predictor is using those. Because it's saying, well, a lot of times I've seen this word after this word and this word after this word, not in just one article. Um, and to me, that changes things because then it's no longer, it's just, you know, reading the New York Times and and quoting it. It's saying it's it's quoting something that tons of other sources have quoted, which I think is fair use. Yeah. You know, if if 100 different sources quoted it, then I think the 101st who quotes it, I I don't think you can you can nail them for copyright. Well, presumably the first 101 said according to the New York Times open quote or whatever, but yeah. Yeah, you're not wrong. Yeah, I just think that's that's a different story to me, and I think that makes a much stronger case for fair use if it's something that's been shared over and over again. Yeah, I mean, you're the law-talking guy. Yeah, I mean, I don't know <laughs> shit about uh, intellectual property law, but it's my uh, best guess at it. Um, just from from a legal perspective, but also a common sense one. You want to know the thing that most annoyed me about this whole bullshit thing? I, I I know what it is because I'm reading it off this outline, but you go ahead and tell the audience. <laughs> uh, it is when the New York Times has said that uh, the, well, this was um, Claudine, wait a minute. No, this is uh, Cecilia Zinti's uh, <laughs> No, no, Claudine recap. Gay is the Harvard plagiarist. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was about to say. Uh, recap, um, saying that the complaint paints OpenAI as profit-driven and closed. It contrasts this with the public good of journalism, which, fuck you, New York Times. Their public good is often destroying, going after targets they don't like, misinforming the public, just writing the narrative as they want it to be rather than actually doing a public service and somehow implying that they're not profit-driven and closed 
like they are drastically profit driven and as this lawsuit copiously points out they consider themselves completely closed because if anybody says something that they read in the new york times apparently they know the owe the new york times a lot of money so like they're also paywalled and and well yes paywall that's the profit driven part like this just the the exact opposite bullshit whereas with open ai you can pay 20 bucks a month anybody in the world can use this amazing tool for whatever they want so much more not profit driven and not closed than the new york times if only it was whatever they want but come on how are you gonna say well, open okay, ai yes. is closed it's called open ai open ai <laughs> seriously compared to the new york times just ridiculous bullshit they 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 are failing so hard they have to steal from the few good corporations that actually are doing the public a service right this and, uh, what we're doing this is the public good of journalism <laughs> exactly this is why the new york times is going to come after us next that's true they will and i say bring them on yeah eat my shit new york times <laughs> so yeah fuck the new york times <laughs> david do you have comment um Nothing that wasn't adequately covered by the last thing Inyash said. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. So do you do you actually think that the New York Times is going to lose here? Because I suspect what? because they are the New York Times and have that much money and power on their side, they're going to win. Uh, I mean, I, I think OpenAI certainly has enough money to do a, a lawsuit. They have far less social power than the New York Times does, and political. Yes, that's true. Although they... I think they probably have a decent amount of political power. But I don't think, um, you know, a lawsuit, you know, it takes a certain amount of money. But beyond that, more money doesn't really help you. You know, you can only hire so many experts. Yeah. And on so many, uh, you know, superstar lawyers, which I'm available for, by the way. If you want to <laughs> do this in New Jersey. Um, the political connections? I don't know. What are they, they going to do? Pass a law that says the New York Times wins? Hmm. Could they pass a law that says the opposite? <laughs> they could. Okay, let's do that. Uh, uh, intellectual property law is is the, entirely the domain of Congress, so they can really say whatever they want. Okay, I've been biting my tongue this entire segment, but you guys aren't <laughs> moving on. Inyash, how? <laughs> why don't you think the New York Times are the good guys here? Uh-oh. Well, first of all... Intentionally or not, they're trying to decelerate. I thought we already convinced Eniash that deceleration is bad, actually. I, hmm. How about not like this, hashtag? <laughs> okay, I'll take what I can get. <laughs> okay. All right, now that we've uh, touched on that fun conversation, we're going to move on to our next story about Congress. Yeah. Congress. What is Congress doing? They are only passing 27 bills this year, so not a whole lot. That is not a whole lot. I mean, it's two days into the year. Give them time. (laughs) No! In 2023! The entirety of 2023, only 27 bills, one of which created a commemorative coin and two renamed medical centers. So, even less than 27 in, in terms of things that did anything. Um, and the interesting thing about this is considering whether this is a good thing or a bad thing. Um, I think it's bad because I just think the general circumstance where Congress is completely incompetent and can't do anything is bad because then it leads the courts and the executive to try to do everything that's Congress's job. And we get lots of stupid law made. You make a compelling argument. Yeah, I'm with Wes on this one. 
Okay. I'm surprised that you're with Wes. Congress needs to do its job in order to set the um, regulatory state on fire. Uh, granted, the Supreme Court's looking like it's going to take a good crack at it, but I imagine there's going to be some cleanup that'll be left to Congress. And if Congress doesn't do their jobs, then that won't happen. Indeed. Do you think that Congress is going to set the regulatory state on fire as opposed to just making more of it? Hope springs eternal. Well, I think you're right right if uh, the Republicans take over. Mm, Yeah, probably won't. Yeah, I I have long since abandoned my naive hope that our salvation lies with the Republicans. Well, so if the Republicans take over, I specifically mean, you know, this is going to be, I mean, a Trump presidency. And the Republican Congress will do whatever he says because they're spineless worms. And, you know, uh, last term he got a bug up his ass about regulations. And he was like, all right, anyone who wants to pass a new regulation, you got to repeal too. <laughs> Which was a dumb gimmick, but I loved the sentiment. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, he could, he could easily just get a bug up his ass about the regulatory state again and be like, let's end some of these agencies. Especially those ones that, like, bothered me. Here's hoping. Yeah. No. He's, a, he's certainly, he's an he's a, he's a agent of chaos. Uh, and it could really go either way. He's he could al- he could also just you know create a new agency too. Who knows? Well, he's not going to win, so that's nice. Oh, we have a, a prediction from Eniaj. I think, yeah, I think if he's a wins the primary, he's not actually going to win the uh, the election. Well, he's definitely going to win the primary. So yeah, uh, historically, political figures being in jail has, if anything, helped their popularity. So I'm still backing Trump. Well, I think it's 50-50 that any of these trials happen before the election. They're really trying, but Trump's trying his best to slow it down, and slowing down a court case is usually pretty easy. Yeah, but I figure he can make hay with it even if he's, uh, even if they haven't started. Oh, yeah. No, I think the best, the best thing for him is that he's still under indictment with these trials looming, but none of them have happened. Uh, I, think, I think an actual guilty verdict would be bad for him. Why? Because these aren't fake charges. They don't have to yeah, do, like, a kangaroo court. They can do, like, the real regular court. He'll get convicted, and I think that'll scare at least some of the, like, middle-of-the-road people. Eh, do you think middle-of-the-road people vote for Trump? Yes! That's the problem. Uh, the middle-of-the-road people voted for Biden, uh, you know, more than Trump last time. But uh, the, the, you look at the polls now, they're all like, yeah, maybe Trump, though. I don't know about okay. all this inflation. Look at these high prices. Let's vote for Trump. All right. But, like, you know, I think it's some of those guys might say, uh, look at these high prices. But, like, do we really want the uh, felon president? I don't know. (laughs) The Trump stands, of course, will love it. And they'll just get crazier and crazier and love him more and more. But that was going to happen anyway. Yeah, this just proves their point. Yeah, exactly. Like, oh, you see, it's the establishment, the the deep state trying to keep the honest man down. His campaign... (laughs) speeches about this are all like they're coming after me because i'm standing between you and them and you they're really trying to come for you (laughs) like (laughs) i don't know man i don't have any boxes of classified documents (laughs) (laughs) i think they're coming for you but what do i know i'm not the president well presumably you know whether or not you have boxes of classified documents yeah well presumably joe biden did too and well he's senile (laughs) 
I don't know that he knows what he has for breakfast when he's currently eating it. Fair enough. He is very old. All right. Next story is from Israel. Yes. Israel uncovered a major Hamas command center in the heart of Gaza City. A underground complex among the tunnels that had offices and elevators are shown in videos, but none of those videos were linked in the AP article that I was reading about this. I don't like that. I think it's very sus. I don't know who to blame for that, though. I mean, are, were you able to find them anywhere? I didn't spend that much time looking. It was like after midnight and I wanted to get to bed. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's yeah. <laughs> Like, well, this wasn't super easy for me, so F it. <laughs> right. But... The fact that videos exist, I think, if they didn't exist, that would have been mentioned. I guess. I mean, my, my question is just, like, are they letting us see these videos, or are they like, no, no one's allowed to see them? No, they were showing them to people. <clears throat> oh, the, the journalists saw them? I s- assume they did, yes. Oh. Otherwise, what's the point of having the videos? Well, to say we have videos. I, like, to watch them with your grandkids in a, in a couple well, decades? Well, it's the same reason you say I have a girlfriend in Canada. <laughs> ah, Okay. I, uh, I, uh, well, uh, let me tell you, I've been in, in court hearings where people claim to have videos, uh, but you know, they, they, they don't have them right now. So, uh, you know, people claim a lot of dumb things. All right. Well, I'm going to assume they wouldn't go so far as to claim there's an entire underground complex with offices that they found underneath Gaza city. If there was not such a thing, especially since we already know that there's tunnels and that they coordinate a lot of things in, uh. No, yeah, I, I don't in, find in this, uh, you know, un- unbelievable at all. Right. Th- this is a thing that I was surprised they hadn't found ages ago, to be quite honest. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, glad they're not using that command center anymore, though. It doesn't really take a lot to be a command center these days. Right. Um, Israel is also withdrawing some troops from Gaza. No one's quite sure uh, exactly what their plan is. But there are now going to be fewer Israeli troops in Gaza, so cool. I would be surprised if they weren't thinking of redeploying up to the north because of uh, the whole Hezbollah-Lebanon situation going on. What is the Hezbollah-Lebanon situation? Oh, well, Hezbollah keeps lobbing rockets into uh, the West Bank from Lebanon, and they... No, they keep lobbing rockets into Israel. Well, Israel and the West Bank, yeah both from from lebanon and so the you know probably gonna have to go in at some point do something do some sort of saber rattling be like lebanon get your shit in order because otherwise we're gonna have to come defend our people we're going to have to show you what from the river to the sea means to the jews (laughs) all right oh um hamas guy uh killed in a drone strike Yep. Indeed. Someone got a retirement package. Hey. Salil Aruri, he's been on Israel's list of guys we really need to take out for quite a while. He's the, the deputy political head of Hamas and a founder of the group's military ring, wing, was killed in a drone strike in Beirut earlier today, in fact. Hey, so it's Beirut. a good thing we delayed. That's Lebanon. Yeah, that's in Lebanon. Shocking that a leader of Hamas wouldn't be anywhere near the actual fighting and instead hiding out someplace. Hey, and, maybe uh, that was the guy shooting all the rockets. Ah, if, if the rockets stop, we will be, we can call it a day. We can be, hey, look, finally. Wouldn't that be great if Hezbollah just stopped shooting the rockets and was like, oh yeah, it was him, he did it. Uh, that would be awesome. To be clear, <laughs> my comment about a retirement package wasn't snarking. The U.S. put a five uh, $5 million bounty on his head. Well, the drone can't really connect 
collect the bounty. I guess, I don't think Israel is going to collect the bounty. That's for, like, people that take matters into their own hands, right? I don't know. Well, Israel pink-slipped him, so presumably they're uh, not going to be objecting too strenuously. But regardless, I'm not sure how that works exactly, but I like to think that there's an Israeli drone operator somewhere who uh, just got a winning lottery ticket. <laughs> nice. Probably not, but, well, let's just imagine. Yeah. yeah. But, yeah. Good news in the uh, in the front against horrible people that want to kill lots of civilians. All right, and uh, other Israel news, this time not about the war, uh, is that the Israel Supreme Court struck down the judicial reform law that they passed a while ago. Uh, if you Ooh. recall, we covered this when it happened, but it was, they had, like, the, the Knesset was just going to completely take over the judiciary. Then they backed off a little bit and passed the thing giving them a little more control over who, who gets appointed to the Supreme Court, um, and a law saying that judges couldn't overrule um, laws that they found excessively unreasonable. This was like a Israeli Supreme Court standard, where they would say, this law is excessively unreasonable, so you, we're overturning it. And they passed a law saying you can't do that. And now the court has come back and saying, said, well, you can't pass a law saying we can't do that. That law we get is excessively unreasonable. Exactly. Overturned. <laughs> um, which is fun because we had a similar thing happen in America uh, with the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, where the Supreme Court uh, decided that, um, you know, a guy using peyote in his religious ceremony was illegal. Um, even though it was an infringement against his legal beliefs. And then Congress passed a law saying that, okay, any infringements on the practice of religion have to get strict scrutiny. And the Supreme Court came back and said, no, um, you don't get to decide what gets strict scrutiny. We decide what gets strict scrutiny. This law is, is out. Uh, so it's kind of fun that a similar thing happened here in Israel. Wait, don't infringements on religious freedom get strict scrutiny? Not when they are even-handed, when there are restrictions on, uh, on conduct. Huh. Like, the case was about a guy using an illegal drug in a religious ceremony. Yeah, I got that. And it's always, no, you can't just get strict scrutiny by saying, well, it's my religion to do drugs. Well, that's super not based. Right? Total <laughs> bullshit. This was also back in the days when Congress did things. Which was an example of a good thing Congress was doing. Because... They should give that strict scrutiny. Let people do stuff. Who cares? Yeah. But oh well. Um, this uh, Israel one's probably good because uh, this was all just a power play by Netanyahu to try to get um, more settlements made and actually make them legal. And yeah. then Hamas went and made that point moot by giving him all the pretense he would ever need. I know. Indeed, although Hamas. he's still not very popular. Yeah. I still hear, like, he's he's almost certainly getting voted out at the next election. Here's hoping. Right? Yeah. God, he's one of the worst prime ministers they've had. Mm -hmm. What a joke. I don't know enough about the other prime ministers Israel has had, because he's been in office for, like, 5,000 years, but... All right, well, speaking of regime changes, our next story is from David. Um, and, you know, Eniash and I... Uh, did not want to cover this story at all <laughs> because it's dumb and pointless. But David uh, is really into it, so we're letting him do it. 
Yeah, so uh, moving on from the Middle East, Denmark has a woke king after the old queen abdicates. Uh, an article linked in our Discord said uh, he has been seen as a rebellious teen turned woke family man, known for his love of a high pit. Bleh high-paced lifestyle and cars so uh i didn't that really doesn't sound that any... woke that doesn't sound woke at all i mean he's described as woke that sounds pretty woke to me <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so uh i turn to uh actual danish person oscar also from the discord uh and to ask him if this was news, and he said, It big news in Denmark probably doesn't have much real impact. People are trying to figure out what happens, as there isn't a precedent of a Danish monarch willingly abdicating, but presumably they figure it out. Maybe expect <laughs> a media blitz about the new queen consort, not sure if that's the right title, being Australian. Uh, as far as the Anglosphere goes, the right title is Princess Consort. And then Amazing Login, uh, sorry, an Amazing Login, who last time I checked uh, was dating an actual Danish person, uh, said, I imagine literally nothing important in the world at large will come of this. If you're like me and you like yelling at people for how cringe monarchy is, then it's vaguely newsworthy, but I mean, nah. This changes millions of Danish lives as they will have to figure out a new drinking game for the next new year's eve instead of how many times will this old woman stumble with her notes for the yearly speech she gives more interesting to follow will be what maersk policy what policy maersk decides to take regarding shipping through the red sea with the houthi attacks going on that they're supposed to set tomorrow uh that tomorrow being the day we're recording this for listeners at home uh so why did i bring all this up uh, Why did you bring all this up? Is it the matriarchy thing? No, uh, it's just as a really funny segue to say, surprise, we're not actually leaving the Middle East. I just wanted a funny way to segue into an update on the situation in the Red Sea. Um, well, what's going on there? Well, I don't know about Maersk, but the Danes are sending a frigate to support Operation Prosperity Guardian, which isn't a lot, but is approximately half the tonnage of the Danish fleet. Uh, so we really need to return with a thorn to massive Viking fleets. And um, also a really good general update video um, released yesterday, I believe, will be linked in the show notes if you want background, some actual research, etc. Also, blood has been shed. Uh, some Houthi pirates took a motorboat out to attack a, um, a uh, merchant ship. A, uh, some U.S. Navy helicopters told them to stop doing that. And they made the brilliant decision to fire on the U.S. Navy helicopter and were promptly uninstalled. So, man, it's so sad when you lose a perfectly good boat. Right. Three times, no less. Three boats were sunk with the loss of all crew. Man, we could be powerboating around the Red Sea in those boats. Yeah, (laughs) I believe it was uh, one incident, uh, one incident with multiple boats involved. I'm not sure about that, though. Okay. Regardless, you made it sound like there was only one boat involved. 
And we got three of those fuckers. Yeah, that was a noopsie on my part. We want to be accurate about the number of boats. Yeah. Those are the, the key players in this drama. I forgive you this one time, David. Oh, thank you. You're very gracious. I know. That's why they call me Eniash the Gracious. <laughs> All right, Eniash the Gracious. What's yes, sir. What's going on in Utah? Well, I will graciously let you know that a trade group uh, called... Dan, I don't remember what they're called. I'm not going to look it up. <laughs> a, t- a trade group for social media companies, including TikTok and Public Meta. Of and- journalism, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> no one's going to remember five seconds after we're done with this story what the trade group's name is anyway. Yeah, probably not. It's called Net Choice. Thank you. Uh, but representing... Uh, Twitter X and, and Meta and TikTok, uh, they sued Utah over laws that Utah has passed prohibiting minors from using social media between 10.30 p.m. and 6.30 a.m., unless authorized by a parent, and also require age verification to open and maintain social media accounts in the state. Uh, well, that's I personally God's time. <laughs> I don't even know how to respond to that, Wes. <laughs> How is that God's time? Isn't the, God's the, time in, on Sunday? The proper response is amen. Oh, thank, sorry. Amen. Um, but yeah, I, I found this very interesting because this smacks me, at least, as a case of uh, freedom of... This is basically a freedom of speech issue, right? Being able to use um, if the social media that you want when you want? Um, I I don't... I guess you could you could get a free speech angle there. How about just not being an authoritarian dick? Rights. They should. True. Nobody gives a shit about, you know, kids. They don't that's, get to do stuff. That's unfortunately true, but I still think that they should give shits about kids and have give kids rights. And yet they still don't. Yeah, that's, that's why they need to make a very gracious person the leader of the world. Uh, but the, the interesting thing about this is, it, to me, it feels like an abutment of, like, personal liberties. How about that? Personal liberties going up against a society, in this case, the state of Utah, trying to protect its, um, protect its existence, uh, or the existence of its society, at least. I think that they consider, um, they consider social media an existential threat to their society, and I'm not sure they're wrong about that. Not sure they're right either. I don't know. Kind of torn on it. But the fact that trade groups are attacking them in these two two competing rights that I both think are very important and interesting <laughs> makes me uh, just really curious to see how this is going to turn out. Yeah, I, I'm kind of coming at it from the other angle. If there's any two groups in America I hate, uh, well, there's a lot of groups in America I hate, but prominent on the list are social media companies and the Utah state government, so... <laughs> I'm just uh, gonna be Michael Jackson eating popcorn on this one. Hmm. Um, I think this law is bad. Uh, I don't. I don't see any real constitutional violation involved. I'm not sure what case the social media companies think they're making. I don't know. Um, I like I said. I guess you could you could come up with like a free speech angle, but I don't see a real good argument for that. Uh, it's. I feel like it's more. Like, it's more of a freedom of association violation, but nobody ever sues for that. The article linked in our show notes says, uh, NetChoice Trade Group argues they're unconstitutional because they restrict access to public content, compromise data security, and undermine parental rights. 
the none of none of those are constitutional rights. Yep. What are you talking about, net choice? Lots of things <laughs> restrict access to public content, compromise data security, and undermine parental rights. Ugh, what a terrible argument. I hope the actual court filing is better. Yeah, here's hoping. All right. Eniash, you've got yes, some sir. AI news for us that's not boring. I do. What is it? I there's a Chinese professor that used AI to write a science fiction novel. Um, Why is I'm going to put scare quotes in the outline? Because it is 6,000 Chinese characters, uh. which translates to roughly 4,000 words-ish, which is uh, it's a short a story. novel. Yeah, that, that is definitely not a novel. Okay. I've written blog posts that are twice that. I guess. Yes, you have. I have too. <laughs> I've read I've read blog posts that are ten times that. <laughs> well, yes, we all read Slate Star Codex. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that 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 is not a novel. Um, and also, okay, the, the second part of the story is that uh, he then won an award for this novel, um, which is, I guess, the big deal. Like, there's a group already going around saying that this spells the end of uh, literature or sci-fi literature. The end of and, literature. Yeah, which first of all, ridiculous on its face to say that like humans are going to keep writing regardless but um i i already think that like i have some issues about chinese sci-fi that i think it focuses (laughs) on i'm trying to say this without sounding racist but it 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 focuses on things that Uh, just just say communist instead of chinese i (laughs) it's it's i hmm is that a distinction worth making i mean i haven't read any soviet sci-fi but i is the three-body problem chinese because that's yes 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 and yeah and it's one of the best things that they they've put out i mean if that's the quality we're working with no wonder an ai can do it right that's kind of what i was trying to say (laughs) in a more diplomatic way (laughs) i'm pretty sure that's the only chinese sci-fi i've written so uh, sorry sorry is your only beef with it that it sucks yes what what else would my beef be well i was asking inyash because he had this big wind up and then i interrupted him like an asshole and he never (laughs) really finished the thought my beef in general is that chinese sci-fi focuses on things that make it kind of sucky in my opinion as an anglo reader but maybe it is absolutely perfect for what the chinese want (laughs) it's a lot of it seems to Chinese-ness. be what yeah. what I would call uh, I am 14 and this is deep type content <laughs> without a lot of focus on things that are hmm, good storytelling narrative and character growth. And like when you read the three body problem, every character feels the same because none of them really do much. Money. Did you know that the main character in that is a married man with a wife and children? <laughs> Based. Eniash, you- under communism, people aren't supposed to be different everyone's the same the only way you know that is because it is mentioned once briefly in the book but it has no impact on his life or personality or anything he, you, he you feels no he might have a rich inner life that you're supposed to <laughs> infer from subtle clues given that went over your head because you're a stupid westerner that needs everything spelled out for you again that could be the thing that's one of the reasons i'm loath to say many bad things about chinese <laughs> sci-fi uh, I could entirely be not getting it because I don't have the cultural context to get it. So that that is consistent with what I've heard uh, about uh, Soviet sci-fi. Well, oh, you okay. see, distinctiveness is the enemy. <laughs> 
Anyway, the, I am not particularly worried because it's not a novel, it's a short story. We already know AIs can do short things without getting too lost in, um, you know, consistency. And, uh, and also we already know that Chinese sci-fi does not focus on things we care about in storytelling very much. Uh, so it's, it's an interesting thing, but it's, uh, it's not like game-changing or anything. Alright, well here's the real interesting thing. Eniash, yeah. you're a writer of science fiction. I have been known to write a few things. Ah, uh, you've you've written a novel. You write short stories. Indeed. Where's your AI story? Do you write what it? What do you yet? mean by my? I mean, what do you mean by an AI story? The, the story you got the AI to write for you. I have not had an AI write a story for me because they're not very good. You should. Um, well, here they you win competitions. Together, you should <laughs> put together a plot summary prompt of uh, the real friends was the fanfic we made along the way. And Ooh. see what that can do with it. No, do a prompt for Don't Create the Torment Nexus. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting side note on all this. When I went to Oxford, there was a short story written by uh, Miranda, who you may know as uh, Swimmer963 from the Less Wrong forums. Uh, Why do I know her? Because I definitely she do. Also, she also writes uh, Glowfic right now. Oh, okay. Uh, and, you know, she wrote a, a number of good posts on Less Wrong way back in the day. Um, but she wrote a short story, which was, first of all, fucking amazing and deserves to be published somewhere. And I'm trying to do what I can to get it published, but it's really hard to get short stories of that length published anywhere. Um, but at the very end of it, when we, while we were in Oxford, like the, during the actual week long seminar, uh, she took her story, summarized it briefly, fed it into chat GPT three, because this was way back when three was the cutting edge and, uh, had it spit out some, some like final paragraphs um uh a, a afterwards an epilogue as one might say and it was kind of mind-blowing because this was september of 2022 and the fact that a computer could do this at all like was amazing and she appended it to the end of their, her story with the you know at the very end the last line says the the epilogue was written by an ai and it completely blew all of our brains and it's unfortunate that we couldn't get it published like almost immediately because you know now everybody knows that AI can do mm-hmm. that, and it doesn't seem like a big deal anymore. But yeah, that was, I think, the first story I read that used AI to really good effect, and it had a very small window of when you could do that. Given that this is the second story like this I've heard uh, from you in about as many months, I'm thinking you should just start your own publishing outfit. Like, not with actual <laughs> print and stuff, but just like spin up another substack, cross-link it, try to get it to have a subscriber base, and then be the publisher that the world needs but doesn't deserve. No, deserves but doesn't. <laughs> I believe it's the hero that Gotham uh, deserves needs but, but doesn't, doesn't deserve. Yeah. Because Gotham is should, awful and doesn't deserve be, any good you things, should right? Be the Harvey Dent of publishing, <laughs> <laughs> whichever one that was. I, I believe it was Batman that is the hero that it uh, needs but yeah, doesn't you guys deserve. Are really mangling this. <laughs> Harvey Dent ended up being the bad guy. No, but he was the. But the image of Harvey Dent was the hero. Yeah, exactly. That's what Batman was saving. God. Oh shit! Yeah. Okay. All right. For for anyone who doesn't know, we're talking about The Dark Knight, a movie that came out like. 15 years ago which was the best batman movie and actually just a legit really good movie that should be in the top 100 it was quite good but 
Anyway, this is a news podcast, so we're going to move on to some bullshit about the IRS. Oh, no. Oh! Some bullshit about uh, South Korea. South Korea. They stabbing dudes over there. No, no. Uh, Again? (laughs) Who who they stabbing? (laughs) Well, they're stabbing the leader of the opposition in South Korea in the neck. Well, at least they didn't use an axe this time. Well, the, when do they well, use an axe? Why would he oppose anyone? That's how you get stabbed. Uh, that's a good point. And, and interestingly stabbed by a 66-year-old guy, which is... Damn! Uh, so much for that yeah. aging out of crime thesis. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that, that happened. Gotta get him together with a Panama boomer. They they just I, they seem to go hardcore in the the Asian countries with their assassinations. What? They killed uh, Abe in you Japan. you under the impression that Panama is in Asia? No. What what happened in Panama? Um, the old guy shot an environmental protester who was blocking the road. Oh, I do remember that, but that wasn't really a political assassination. That was just some dude losing his shit in the street. Yeah, fair. Hey, doctors say the wound is not life threatening. Huzzah! Well, it all uh, has a happy well, ending then. Yeah, I mean, you send a sixty-six-year-old after a guy, you know, he's not going to be able to tell exactly where the important blood vessels are his eyes are probably going you don't know uh clint eastwood's still making movies at like 103 yeah but he's not stabbing people in the neck has he accidentally shot any, anyone on set yet no no that was Alex Baldwin. he actually knows how to use guns okay he's from oh. before hollywood started getting obsessed with guns while also hating them Mm. All right. Next story. IRS. What's the IRS doing? IRS is waiving penalties, uh, penalty fees for anyone who failed to pay back taxes in 2020 and 2021. Hey. Uh, I didn't pay any back taxes in those years. Do I get some money? No. Man. Yeah, this is only if you were cheating. Do you get to catch a break? Oh, I was definitely not cheating on my taxes in (laughs) 2020 and 2021 at all. In any way. Like a good citizen would, you paid all the taxes that you were supposed to pay. Exactly. So, so this will not affect me at all. Are they basically reimbursing people who did paycheck protection program fraud? Because that's kind of what this looks like. Um. Yes. I don't know. They they're reimbursing other people too. But if you owe penalties for whatever reason in those two years under one hundred thousand uh, dollars, and you got your balance due notice between february 5th of 2022 and december 7th of 2023 you now don't have to pay any fees uh on those any of those penalty fees and if you did uh receive any fees and pay them you will get a refund did they say why their excuse is a covid really messed up things and they didn't get their mail notices out uh for a while and mm, screw it we're just giving people money this is uh expected All to right. cost one billion dollars screw it we're just giving people money yep that sounds like the federal <laughs> government we can't we can't figure it out so uh we will just all the it's all forgiven yeah all right now do student loans they did already didn't they yeah then the supreme court said they couldn't but Did it's they? different if they go up and say, like, actually, we fucked up the accounting, so uh, we don't know who owns owes what. <laughs> I'm sure they can fuck up the accounting on student loans. <clears throat> yeah, go fuck up the accounting. You know what? Hire me. I am really good at fucking up accounting. Yep. And when that happens, we'll report it in Happy News! Yay! Yay! Eniash, you have come up with 
Let me see. G Seven happy news happy stories news today. <laughs> yes. All the way up to letter G. So let's. Oh, we'll start with the best one, which is that S Mickey Mouse is no longer copyrighted. Hey. Woo! After 96 motherfucking years! 96 years! Finally! Just how many years Disney was able to manipulate the government oh, into protecting God. their copyright? But no longer! So go forth and make you all your Mickey Mouse fan creations. Just have him do whatever you want. It's totally legal. Yeah. Thank God. I want <laughs> I was... a slash fic of Mickey Mouse and Cthulhu. The one who caused the cut to keep getting pushed back, and the one who made it just under the cut. I mean, look, I want something well beyond fanfic here. I'm sure that's been written for years. I want, like, a commercially released movie. Uh, it's not commercially released, but hours after uh, the copyright expired, someone released a Steamboat Willie slasher horror flick onto YouTube. Nice. nice. Is it, uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm assuming it's, like, at or lower quality than that uh, Winnie the Pooh one. I would assume so, too. Because that look, sure looked like garbage. Importantly, it is the Steamboat Willie Mickey Mouse that's out of copyright. Yes. I'm not sure how much they're, they can protect the um, the Mickey Mouse that has gloves and, like, white oval, white around his yeah, eyes. Yeah, they're really trying to claim that that's, like, a different character. We'll see. Yeah. We'll see how it goes. Uh, but you can definitely, like, call a dude Mickey Mouse. The name is out of trademark. Nice. Excellent. From what I can tell. I don't know. Did they call him Mickey Mouse in Steamboat Willie? I think they called him Steamboat Willie. Oh, was was he Steamboat Willie? Yes. Oh. Well, who the hell knows? <laughs> I, nature is healing, is what I have to say. Things are finally going into the public domain. And hopefully many, many, many more things will happen. And then we'll completely overhaul public uh, copyright law. So it doesn't take 96 freaking years. And then we will have no limit on characters we can draw on for our fanfic to appease our AI overlords. Exactly. <laughs> God damn it, that was such a good story, Inyash. It really was. Aw, thank you guys. I'm, I'm quite proud of it. Oh my god, right. that was so good mm. I forgot you wrote it. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, I guess. I was like, that was a Scott Alexander story, right? Aww. Well, uh, I did sure write it. Are you sure you wrote that one? I wrote it entirely myself. You didn't even use any AIs? I didn't even use any yeah, AIs, no. how much better it could have been. Oh, could have been ten times better. Well, speaking of AIs, we got more AI news. We do. They're doing great things. What great uh, things AI are they doing now? Well, there was an AI trained on experimental data to identify chemical substructures that underlie selective antibiotic activity. I don't know why you would say that. Nobody knows what those words mean in well, that I'm, sequence. I'm saying that because th th that explains how that this AI was able to discover a new structural class of antibiotics. Hey! Yay. First time this has happened in almost four decades, there were multiple compounds that are effective against the... Uh, antibiotic-resistant staph uh, infections, including one that doesn't have toxicity to humans, which is like, what the fuck? Hey, having toxicity to humans is one of my least favorite things about antibiotics. Nice! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is fantastic, and I'm assuming they're going to be developing the hell out of this and marketing it as soon as the FDA allows them to, you know, heal people well i'm especially interested in this because i'm on antibiotics right now oh no you do sound kind of like you're uh, under the weather a little bit i have an ear infection oh, oh shit yes yeah. right i haven't gotten an ear infection in like 20 years 
It's because you didn't have a kid in 20 years. <laughs> what was it like when you had it? Well, I still have it. Okay, what is it like while you have it? It's like my ears are clogged. Uh, it's. I mean, I know I, I went to the doctor because it started hurting. But even mm. before that, it was like my ears were clogged. And for the past week, my balance has been off. Oh. I'm drunk every time I stand up. It's bullshit. Yeah. But also kind of fun. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that bad, really. You don't get the euphoria parts of the drinking, though. Just the dizziness. Just yeah, just the just the balance issues. I don't even get oh, dizzy. That's that's the worst. That means you can't dance. I, I mean, I couldn't dance in the first place. Oh well, okay. I dance better now. <laughs> you can dance like a drunken sailor. Yeah. Cool. All right. What's next? Next, uh, a protein antibody that reduces the number of inflammation-causing immune cells has been developed and is being used to treat asthma. Ooh, uh, inflammation-causing immune cells. Those cause, like, a whole bunch of chronic conditions. They do. Uh, so this is great news for everyone. It was first tested on asthma sufferers, and 92% of them reduced their use of inhaled steroids, and 60% of them didn't need to use any inhaled steroids at all. That's oh, the, yeah. like, inhaler thing? Yeah. Oh, awesome. Yeah, everybody uses that. Yeah. Well, that's pretty sweet. Great right. news for our asthma-having friends. All right, what else is going on? Well, speaking of tiny, proteiny things, uh, Feng Zhao, who I only mentioned because I swear we saw this name before at some point in our tenure as Mind Killers, didn't we? Mm. Also doing tiny, tiny stuff, nano stuff? I don't reckon that. We can the name sounds out. familiar to me. Anyways, Feng Zhao at the uh, NYU has created tiny DNA robots with a team of assistants, of course, uh, that consist of only four DNA strands. They're held in a solution that has specific DNA strand raw material floating around with them that they use, and uh, and they are activated by UV light. Anyways, these, these basically tiny DNA robots are like little programmable robots that'll grab different DNA strands and position them and align them to make them into what you want, and then they get welded together with little UV blasts and uh then they release the thing they made and return to the original configuration and can keep doing it again uh this in theory is uh will let them make manufacture drugs or chemicals within your own cells which reminds me very much of the culture series drug land where they could just be like yeah i need some adrenaline right now or i need some horny drugs or i need some thinky drugs like whatever i need i could just manufacture it within my own body sounds great looking forward to the new future of culture drug lands all right let's all fly down to prospera and get the dna robots i don't think those are available in prospera yet maybe next year damn it yeah also these things can reproduce themselves hey by, yeah that's uh pro that's never gone wrong <laughs> <laughs> well they do need the solution to get the raw materials and they need uv light to activate them so uh you know got a lot of limits on them right now oh well, that's good well that's pretty sweet. All right, I'm in for the DNA robots. Yeah. All right, that was four. What's the, yes. what's story number five? Microsoft is creating a custom narrow-focused <laughs> LLM, and for everyone who's not familiar with the, that term, it's large language models. They're the same things that GPT-4 and Claude and those things are. Uh, they're making a one one of those specifically to. Uh, work on the regulatory process for small nuclear power plants. Uh, Microsoft expects this LLM to eliminate 90% of the costs and human hours involved in making small nuclear power plants because currently approval takes half a billion dollars, a 12,000 page application, and 2 million pages of supporting material. So, a lot of pages. 
Yeah, they, they are specifically doing this because they think they're going to need small nuclear mater- uh, reactors to power their upcoming AIs. So, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Good, I guess? Good. <laughs> Sounds good to me. Especially if they open source it or slightly worse than that, license it out. Sure. Now they need to make one for the NRC that'll let them breed all that bullshit. It'll be the great future we always dreamed of, where the, you know, you say it in plain language, the LLM translates it into technical bullshit, then the other LLM translates it back into plain language for someone to read. Mm -hmm. Ah, yes. The future we all wanted. Armies of (laughs) AI corporate lawyers fighting armies of AI bureaucrats. (laughs) Well, you work with what you got. Sounds amazing. Yep. All right. What's our, what's number six? Number six, we got uh, two human interest stories at the end here. Uh, There was a teenager who got $8,000 from his dad to buy a motorcycle for Christmas. He had made his dad really proud, got good grades. He jumped in an Uber to drive off to this motorcycle buying place and was telling the Uber guy about it. And like they were bonding. It was great times. And then he goes and tries to buy the motorcycle and realizes he doesn't have any of the cash on him anymore. He left it in the fucking Uber car. And the Uber driver, as soon as he noticed this, like, squirreled the cash away in a safe place and reported it as uh, as lost, and the kid was reunited with his $8,000 in cash, hey. just because the Uber driver was a great guy. What a good guy. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, I would think probably, uh, you know, a good a good uh, uh, percentage of drivers would be like, I didn't see any cash. Yeah. I'm, I, I would like to think that almost everyone would do that, but the fact that someone did is just very heartwarming and definitely deserves to be called out good job uber driver all right what's our last human interest story last human interest story army veteran juan serrero in virginia saw a team pacing back and forth thank you serrano saw a team pacing back and forth on a bridge uh late at night and was like that that dude looks like he's in trouble so we stopped pulled over was like hey kid you all right you need any help and the kid was like huh fuck this and jumped over the edge because he was a suicidal kid and he was not about to let some dude stop him from committing suicide uh one was like out that david laughed at that (laughs) well it it was said kind of humorously we got to be able to laugh at it was the the presentation not the content Mm -hmm. yes uh serrano was like holy fuck i can't just let this kid die dived into the water uh 50 feet below to save him uh they were washed downstream for about a mile before he dragged him to shore and uh, saved his life. So, good job, dude. Right? The hell, man. I always feel a little bit of weird about the saving people from suicide stories because obviously they are expressing a very strong preference to not live anymore. But I think in the case of teenagers, it is particularly good to save them from doing it because you have just been put through many years of hell in these torture prisons that we put kids in, and it's just about to start getting so much better. You don't even know, man. Hold out just for a few more years, and life is actually going to get pretty darn good. They also tend to change their minds if you save them. I I think something like more than 90% of bridge jumpers who survived ended up saying that they regretted it as soon as they jumped. Yeah. All right. Well, that brings us to troop deployments. I'm willing to put wave after wave of men at your disposal. As we all know, politics is the mind killer and arguments are soldiers. So in that spirit, we ask each of our hosts to send a soldier out onto the battlefield each episode. And we'll start with David. Yeah, so I realize I'm a couple of weeks behind the eight ball on this one, but I just read Scott Alexander's post about 
having kids and being a father and so on, I'm given to understand that this uh, made a small baby boom happen in the uh, San Francisco yeah, San Francisco Bay Area. Uh, <laughs> I'm entirely here for that, but mostly I just want to recommend the post. Uh, even if you are not a natalist or are trying to figure out your own thinking about the question or whatever, it's a really good post. It's fantastically written. Um, obviously, I am a natalist, so the uh, bottom line content is very appealing to me. But even if you're not, I would strongly recommend you not miss this one. I agree. It was good. All right, Eniash, what do you have? I have two things, actually, that are actually going to be topical on the news that we read today, which two is, I know, things, shocking for me. Bastard. Well, they're both short, All and right. uh, surprisingly, they're both topical. Normally, I just talk about whatever random shit is on my mind, right? All right, go uh, ahead. The first one being, remember that teenager that jumped off the bridge because his life was terrible? There are many stats that are published fairly frequently nowadays that show how much child suicide drops during these summer months and how much child well-being self-reported well-being absolutely tanks during the school year and uh everybody knows this and i have at least once been called out by wes on this podcast for being pro-child labor which is not entirely true but not entirely false either because like doing work that is meaningful is actually a great thing in life yeah, i'm uh, the pro-child labor host wes <laughs> uh, I just recently saw a tweet by Tess pointing out that we force children to work 10-hour days already for 12 years under conditions far more physically and emotionally abusive than any acceptable workplace, and we expect them to somehow turn out okay. Burn the schools, man. And yeah, they're already undergoing child labor and aren't even being paid for it, Wes. Uh, the other thing why, is... Why, why am I getting yelled at? What? Well, because you said I was pro-child labor. No, well, which is not false, but also, yeah, yeah, I kind of am, but also you made it sound like a bad thing. <laughs> I'm pro-child being paid for labor. Yeah, that too. Uh, the other thing is was a reminder I recently saw that Hezbollah leader Hassan Nasrallah uh, said that Israel's reverence for human life, the hedonistic nature of the Israeli society, and its self-indulgent Western values make it weak, soft, and vulnerable. And such a society, though technologically advanced, will crumble underneath continued war and bloodshed. Uh, first of all, yeah, fuck Hezbollah, fuck Hamas, these guys are terrible. But I think pretty much any society, most societies, will in fact crumble under continual war and bloodshed. And the few that thrive on these conditions are among the worst societies that humanity has to offer. Uh, we should all be teaming up together against those societies I, so yeah i see that go israel Hezbollah has moved on from cribbing hitler's second worst take to cribbing hitler's absolute worst take and it didn't <laughs> end well for him yeah so yeah that that's my two troop deployments all right now my troop deployment this week is a blog post i just wrote earlier today uh called against commitment that i'll link in the show notes um, but basically, the idea is that I just, I just had my twentieth uh, anniversary with my wife yesterday. Oh, Congrats! Happy anniversary. Thank you. Um, and I was reflecting on what. what also, uh, did your relationship start with a New Year's kiss? It did. Nice. Wait, what? 
Oh, because it was the 20th anniversary. Oh, yeah. neat. Because New Year's, yeah, New Year's Eve at midnight is our anniversary. Huh, it's cute. Um, so, and I was, I was reflecting on what, you know, what, what it takes for longevity in relationships. And uh, I think that most of the time you ask people say that commitment is a big part of that. And I don't think that's true. It certainly isn't for me. Um, you know, I think commitment is, uh, you know, this, I, I have the same issues I have with commitment that I do with people making rules in relationships, which is that you're basically saying, uh, I'm going to make the decision now, even though the decision, the actual decision point is later. And later is when you have more information uh, and can probably make a better decision. So I'm just, I, I don't think people should do that in general. Um, and there's certain situations in which commitments are necessary. Like if you're buying a house and you got to sign a mortgage, um, or, you know, having a child in all, but some very extreme circumstances is a commitment. Um, but you don't have to, you don't have to do commitments to like emotional things, or you don't have to commit to staying together. Um, and my wife and I, you know, we never really committed to staying together. We just wake up every day and decide to be together again. Um, and I think rather than making commitments, you can you can set expectations. So instead of making promises to do something, you can just make a prediction about what you want to do. Uh, and I think that you get most of the benefits of a commitment with fewer of the downsides that way. Um, but the, the, you know, I made a big long blog post about it, so I'll link that. Uh, so read that if you want more information on it. Um, and uh, just uh, know that you don't actually need to to commit to one another to have a a long relationship you can you can get by without it excellent all right well that's our show for this fortnight thank you for listening please follow us wherever you follow podcasts please subscribe on apple podcasts no don't subscribe on apple podcasts subscribe on uh wherever you've listened to podcasts leave us reviews on apple podcasts that's the one you want to subscribe on substack where you'll get access to early episodes bonus episodes and a subscriber only discord channel where you can come tell me my blog post was dumb and i'm dumb <laughs> and commitment is great now come back in two weeks same rat time same rat channel bye, bye.